May God grant wisdom to my speaking and grace in your hearing. And may his spirit speak to our spirits. Amen. My husband, who hasn't come tonight, so serves him right. Um, my husband may or may not be very colorblind. When he was a child, he famously painted a very beautiful picture of a fire engine against a clear sky. And he was very proud of it. And what puzzled the people who looked at it was that the fire engine was bright blue and the sky was bright red. And he thought it was great because that's what he saw. The problem doesn't seem now to have lasted in quite the same way, but you can even now hear a conversation in our house that goes something like, I asked you to get the green one. This is the green one. Now that's not the green one. That's the sort of conversation that we have. But even if it's still a phenomenon in his life, actually it wouldn't really matter because when he's going to the traffic lights and he sees a blue light, he stops. And when the ambulance comes past with its flashing red lights, he moves out of the way. Now, I don't want to push that analogy too far. I just want to say that seeing is a funny thing. However, we think about seeing as vision, as sight, as perception, perspective, viewpoint, what we see, what we don't see, how we each see it, these are not straightforward things. And although disability awareness groups have moved us away from using blindness as a metaphor for stupidity, and thank goodness for that, sight still remains a good metaphor for our understanding of the world around us, for our vision of the world as God intends it, and for our perspective on our own lives set in God's big picture. The writer of this marvelous letter to the church in Colossae, and can I just thank you for reading it so brilliantly. That was a beautiful reading. The writer of this letter is writing at a time when the understanding of what the impact of the coming of Jesus means is beginning to be really thought through. What the church is beginning to understand is not that the world could be different because of the coming of Jesus Christ, but that the world somehow is different if only we can see it. Colossians says that although things might feel as though they are spiraling in a chaos void of nothingness, actually, God has the whole world in hand. That although the world may look chaotic and divided, actually, Christ brings it all together. That although we're very different in who we are and how we think, in the church, Christ just makes us one family in one body. And that if we sometimes wonder what God could be like whom we can't see, well, in Jesus, we see God at work among us. In Christ, the writer tells us that God's purpose for the world have already been restored. Not just for human beings, God putting people back together, 
but restoring unity in the whole created universe. I love that bit at the top of the right-hand column. All the broken and dislocated people of pieces of the universe get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death. So God has not just put us back in right relationship with each other, but with everything that God has made, the world and humanity in total harmony. Well, of course, it doesn't always feel like that. But sometimes it does. I remember a bit in one of his books when the theologian and spiritual writer Harry Williams talks about how disconnected and out of sorts his life often feels. But his book is about what resurrection might be like. And he talks about those rare occasions when he's playing tennis and suddenly it all comes together. He runs for the ball and he hits it, which in, in my case would be a miracle, in the right direction. He places himself perfectly. He lifts his arm just right. The ball hits that sweet spot in the middle of his racket and he delivers a stinging shot, watching the ball land just in the right place on the other side of the court. It all comes together. Well, I don't play tennis. And in fact, the idea of me talking about tennis is frankly laughable. But that image has stayed with me as a picture Somebody telling what it's like for them just when they have that glimpse of what it would be like to be really together in God's world. I wonder if that ever happens for you. Things just working as they're supposed to and what pictures you would use. Times when a special moment has broken through for you, maybe personal like when you're making music and you sing one of those really difficult runs in Bach and you get to the end and you've got every note in the right place and it sounded good too. Or you sit under a tree on a mountainside or in the middle of a busy city and suddenly you are overwhelmed with that sense, just even a glimpse, that things are somehow right and you are right with them. Or maybe in the restoration of the relationship between humanity, where you experience or you see a moment of true harmony with another person or between a group, and you think, gosh, this is how people could live. I saw this on the train the other day. There was a, a bloke on the train who was, let's just say, very discouraging in his appearance and in his behavior. And when the people came along with the drinks trolley, he wanted a bottle of water, but because of COVID, they're only taking cards. And so he'd only got cash and he couldn't have a bottle of water. And at this moment, the um, very lovely young woman on the other side of the aisle who was getting a drink for herself bought him this unprepossessing stranger, a bottle of water too. And he tried to pay her and she said, no. And he said, no, you know, I must pay you. And she said, no, no, it's fine. And just for a little while, he was transformed. And you saw how things could be. For me, it was a little mini vision of that word, word healed 
of our world healed. I think that some people look back on the London Olympics as a time like that. A time when the sun shone and people won things. But more than that, a time when people came together and pulled together and were happy with one another and believed in something bigger. I don't know. I wasn't here. I don't do sports. But you will have your own pictures of a time when you have spotted life working. God's good purposes being fulfilled, things going the way that God intends. A time when you, like the guy writing to the church in Colossia, could have felt that you have seen the wholeness and holiness of life as God makes it in Christ, and not the way it often is. Because for most of the time, we don't see our world like that. Today is Climate Sunday, and it's an object lesson in sight in what the Bible calls seeing as man sees and not as God sees. We have seen creation all wrong and used it as if it's a disposable commodity. As long as it works for my lifetime or for me or for this trip to the shops or this aeroplane flight, then fine. We don't live like we see that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We lose sight of the earth as whole and holy. I saw a great line the other day. We have been inheritors. Do we actually want to be ancestors? We live on the planet in ways where we are so often, so far distant from the consequences of our actions that we can't see them until one day water comes swelling through the streets of our home city. And then we begin to see Oh, yes, that's what climate change means. Oh, we're not long-sighted to see enough what it is already meaning for people in other parts of the world whom it will hit hardest first. Or maybe we have the sight, but we don't look, or maybe it's not in focus. But both here and globally, the climate crisis disproportionately affects the poor. God's planet, but also God's people. The challenge for each of us is to perceive the relationship between that and us, between there and here. What did the slogan used to say? Think global, act local. The relationship between creation, creator, and steward. Is this for us to do or is it so big that it's only a problem that big people and big business and big science and big government can solve? Our church eco committee has been debating the balance between what each one of us can do and what needs to be done by the powers that be. And in the end, we came back to that line, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will try each of us in our own place each day to do better. Because in the climate emergency, it really is a case of whether as we sow, whether or not we see, so we reap. In talking about our theme this year, the image that I'm using is one of a patchwork quilt. I love making quilts, so I'm talking about something that I get but this isn't a quilting show. I'm using the quilt because of how the richness of the image shines out for me what the writer is saying about our lives, our church, and our world in Colossians. 
In a quilt, to borrow the language of Colossians 1.17, all things come together. You take a jumble of bits of fabric, some of them kind of go, some of them don't. Some of them are really lovely in themselves. Some of them you pick up and you think, hmm, what am I going to do with this? Some of them have been around the block a few times and seen quite a lot of life. Some of them are quite loud. Some of them are quite muted. They have their different personalities. And yet you bring it together in one harmony. As the creator, the maker, what you intend, the purpose of the creator, is something in which everything holds together. Each bit plays its part. Not only is the whole thing less rich if that bit isn't there, it's a bit like what Paul says, isn't it? Can the hand say to the eye, we don't need you? The whole thing is less rich if each bit isn't there. But a really gifted quilter brings out the depth of the qualities in each part. To use Mickey's phrase, they really make the colours sing. In fact, an accomplished quilter knows that in order to make a quilt just as rich as you have in your mind's eye, you have to include things that would not immediately be to your taste. If you only make a quilt of things you like, you like, it ends up being a pale imitation of the thing that you thought you were aiming for in the first place. If it works, you get a thing that makes the world a better place. Partly because to see all this colour and diversity working together is a thing of beauty in itself, but also because you've got something that makes the world a better place. There's a rather corny quilter saying, whoever sleeps under a quilt sleeps under a blanket of love. And that's why I see the quilt as an image of what God has in mind for the church. A pattern of how we are supposed to come together, different as we are, old, young, fresh, jaded, whatever. The way that we all come together with one another as a sign to the world of the way that people can take the richness and variety of humanity made in God's image and come together to make something greater than the sum of its parts. That's not just something that we need for our church. Everyone included, everyone enabled to shine, everyone bringing what they have to the richness of the whole. But it's the church as a sign to the world. It can be done. We can show you how it might kind of work. Can we? It's something that the world very much needs. A model of how people can live with difference. Or how people can bring out the best in one another. Of course, when I said that I love making quilts, I also find it really hard. The pieces don't just jump off the sewing room floor into perfect harmony. Patient work is required. Hard thinking is required. Choices have to be made. Sometimes a bit of unpicking and starting again is needed. Sometimes you look at a quilt from where you are standing and it looks fine. But you go and stand somewhere else and get a different perspective on it. And you think, 
this doesn't really actually work. Transformation, wholeness and healing can take time. And what of ourselves? Do we have the perspective on our own lives and the lives of our neighbours that the writer of Colossians could see? He wasn't an idiot. He didn't live in cloud cuckoo land. He lived in a world like ours, a world where people lived and died, laughed and lost, where there were equally wars and famines and disasters. And although he lived in a society that probably had different social codes from ours, people were still people. That great jumble of emotions, responses, personalities, ease and difficulties that we know ourselves and often know in others. This writing is a vision. It's not the view out of his window. It's his view out of God's window. His way of seeing reality changed because of God's work in Christ. So do you know yourself to be beloved? Because even if or when it doesn't feel like it, you really are. That person that you see in the street or in the mirror, that person is the image of God. All the messiness of the world, and there seems to be quite a lot of messiness around at the moment, all the messiness that is me and my life, it's still lived within God's big picture. I was going to say, God has it all in hand, but I'm not really sure that I quite believe that or that it's the most helpful thing to say. <coughs> what I'd rather say is that in my life, however it is, God has me in their hand. Me and my life and you and your life held in love and wholeness and holiness. And sometimes it doesn't feel like that. And sometimes you can almost reach out and touch it. One of my heroes is a woman whose name we don't really know, um, but we, she called herself after the church that she lived in. Um, and her church's name was Julian's, St. Julian's Church. She was a woman who was no fool. She wasn't a woman who'd had an easy time. She was a woman who'd had a very difficult life at a very difficult period in history. At times, she had herself been very ill. She was close to death. And we know this because she is the first woman whose writings we have in the English language. Julian is a woman with the ability to see but to see things differently, to see things as God has shown her, she says, the visions that she has had. And in one of her visions, all her visions are about an encounter with Jesus. And in one of her visions, she said, he showed me just a little thing, the quantity of a hazelnut lying in the palm of my hand. 
and it was round as any ball. And I looked upon it with the eye of my understanding and I thought, what can this be? And it was answered generally thus, this is all that is made. And I marveled how it might last, for I thought it might suddenly have fallen into nothing for its littleness. And I was answered in my understanding. It lasts and ever shall, because God loves it. And so have all things their beginning in the love of God. In this little thing, I see three properties. The first is that God made it. And the second, that God loves it. And the third, that God keeps it. May you know yourselves, small and vulnerable or ebullient and joyful as you feel, may you know yourselves made by God, loved by God, and kept forever by God who is love. Amen.